take a deep breath and remember there's a power breathing you. This is your space of sanity in an evolving world where we learn about spiritual law and how to apply it to our lives in a way that is practical and life-changing. This is where we remember truth to make the world a better place one person at a time. I'm Claire Lotier, inspirational speaker, teacher of the technology of transformation, and a certified life mastery consultant and spiritual coach. Welcome to the Grace Space. Today on the Grace Space, we're going to start a new series where we look closely at six gifts that we've all been given, which we could call higher mental faculties. And these are gifts. So by definition, they are freely given. We don't have to do anything special to earn them, and we don't have to go out and get them. They're actually innate. Why have we been given these special gifts? Well, first we want to look at ourselves and realize that we exist as an interface between spirit or energy and matter the non-physical and the physical. And we have to realize that you and I did not create ourselves, but we have been given life. We've been given human birth, which is the greatest gift of all. And we've been given a human birth because it is the nature of spirit to expand and to grow and explore all the possibilities in creation, to experience all the possible experiences in all the possible dimensions. And when you start to think about that, your mind or my mind anyway, cannot even conceive of the infinity of experience that that implies. All things in creation are part of an upward spiral of becoming, and you and I are no different. We are in a constant process of unfolding, learning, growing, expanding, because spirit itself is seeking a freer, fuller, and more expanded expression of itself through us and by means of us and as us. So anytime we have a feeling of desire for more in life, a feeling of longing for something that we want to create or feel or experience or be or do or have or give, anytime we feel a sense of discontent in life because we feel limited, constrained, or blocked, those are directly born of the impulse of spirit within us that is seeking expression. Something is seeking to emerge from within our being. And these feelings of longing and discontent are holy feelings. They are to be respected and honored and paid attention to because they point the way to something greater for us, to a higher level or a higher dimension of being that we have the potential to experience. And that's what spirit wants for us. Each and every human being has an innate higher potential that can be experienced, can be brought into being through us. Now, the truth is that most people never activate this potential, but that doesn't mean it isn't there. Every human birth has this innate potential for its highest expression. Just as every acorn contains the blueprint of an oak tree, that doesn't mean that every acorn becomes an oak tree, but the potential is there. Yes, every human being, every human birth contains within it the seed of a magnificent 
totally unique creative expression of its own essence that has never existed before and will never exist again. That means that you have a higher destiny to activate if you choose to do so. And it is a choice because human beings have also been given free will. We don't have to do this. And we are unconditionally loved and honored in all our choices by the intelligence, the intelligent love that creates and recreates this entire creation in every instant. Whether or not we choose to activate this energy of awakening, because that's what it is, this this infinite creative potential that we possess is a spiritual energy of awakening. Whether or not we choose to activate it, we have been given all the tools to bring it and ourselves to full fruition. We have what it takes. This is where these six gifts that I mentioned come into the picture. These higher mental faculties, which we all possess, and they are imagination, will, intuition, memory, reason, and perception. Now, we're going to look at each one over the course of the next six weeks or so. And today we're going to be focusing on the first one that I mentioned, which is imagination. Imagination. Napoleon Hill said that imagination is, quote, the most marvelous, miraculous, inconceivable, powerful force that the world has ever known. And he was not exaggerating or using superlatives to be descriptive. Take what he said literally. The most marvelous, miraculous, inconceivable, powerful force the world has ever known belongs to you. Albert Einstein said that imagination was far more important than knowledge. For knowledge, he said, is limited to all that we now know and understand, while imagination embraces the entire world and all there ever will be to know and understand. So realize that he's saying that you and I have the ability to conceive of all there ever will be to know and to understand the whole universe within our imagination. Have you ever stopped to consider just how powerful that makes you? The truth is you and I are being breathed right now in this instant by the same invisible and miraculous power that created this entire universe and every marvel of nature and the cosmos that we've ever been able to observe. We're part of it and it's flowing through us. It's animating us. It brought us here. We often forget or simply don't realize that we have access to this infinite creative power because actually it is our true nature. And the six gifts, these higher mental faculties I mentioned, are a sort of interface between us as a physical consciousness navigating time and space and this infinite creative power. Down here on the ground, In the 3D, we inhabit these physical vessels, these bodies that are subject to time and space. Mostly we tend to get absorbed in the experience of life in the body and its five senses because it's so tangible and it's what we've been taught to trust and to value. And thus we see ourselves as separate from others. We tend to forget that we are inseparable from that infinite intelligence, that creative power, and that we have the capacity to access it 
and create from it at any moment. These six gifts are like higher powers, doorways through which we can access our true nature and create from the unlimited part of ourself, rather than from the self-limiting paradigms of the ego mind personality. Creating from the quantum plane beyond time and space, rather than creating from the plane of matter, which is much more laborious. We are creating a reality regardless. This is something we do automatically. But learning to work constructively with our higher powers gives us the ability to become the conscious creators and directors of our own lives. And that means creating lives of beauty, of joy, harmony, wealth, and success. I've said it before, it's just as easy to create a heaven on earth as it is to create a hell on earth. The process of creation is exactly the same. And once you really understand and accept that it's your own creative power and thoughts you're working with, and that what you can create is in no way dependent on facts and circumstances of your life as they currently appear, but entirely dependent on how you use the power of your own mind then you will really start to create what you want instead of what you don't want. So we want to harness these six mental faculties and learn to use them properly. So let's start with our imagination. We all have an imagination. For most of us, our imagination was very active and very fruitful when we were children. We were just being ourselves. I'm sure if you think back through your own life, you can remember allowing your imagination free reign. You just naturally would create a world of magic where you were the director and the star. Everything was possible. But if we went through the school system and the process of socialization and indoctrination, as most of us did, our constructive imagination was pretty much trained out of us or muted, let's say, in some way. We still form images in our minds because we think in images and we're all image makers, but mostly we began using our imagination destructively rather than constructively. If you ever doubt that you have an imagination, just think about all the times you've imagined the worst things that could happen to you or someone you love. When you can't find your child, when your partner doesn't come home when they said they would and you can't reach them. When you lie awake at night worrying about the outcome of a situation and you're filled with anxiety because of the pictures in your mind, most of us still use our imagination, but we tend to use it improperly to torture ourselves. This is a habit that can only produce outcomes we don't want because our thought, our imagination is generative, particularly when charged with a strong emotion. Our subconscious mind operates by compulsion. It must bring to pass the images we give it that are vividly imagined and strongly felt for better or for worse. So your imagination, your ability to make images, dream things up and feel into them is one of your prime creative powers because your thought is creative. Habits of thought generate a reality, literally. When you really understand that your thought habits are generating your reality right now, you start to stand guard at the portal of your mind, as Emerson said. I had occasion to prove this to myself in some interesting ways during my career as an actress, and it showed me something. It showed me that the subconscious mind, 
doesn't know the difference between something that's actually happening to you and something that you imagine is happening. When I was still in drama school at Juilliard in New York during the 90s, as a class project in the third year, we did a play called The Cider House Rules, based on John Irving's book of the same name, which later became a movie of the same name. Well, we developed that project with a playwright called Peter Parnell, and our director was Tom Hulse of Amadeus fame. It was a wonderful experience, and I remember loving the book and the play and having a great time telling the story with my class. It was an ensemble experience, so we we all did everything, but we each had one or more roles to play. I was cast as Melanie, and you could say that I was cast against type, which is a great experience to have in school because it allows you to stretch and use your imagination in new ways. Well, I always loved to transform. And the character of Melanie was described as a big girl, big boned, beefy, strong, and filled with rage. Like when she's around, you feel that part of what's big about her is her immense anger and a violent streak that could erupt at any moment. She was volatile. Well, what could be more fun for a young actor? In order to be believable and get inside her skin, I had to embody her size, her anger, her violence, her volatility. And I had to do all of that in my own body, the one that I was given. I worked on that for six weeks. I cultivated that energy through my imagination and mental focus every day. And I was somewhat successful in incarnating Melaninus. I remember feeling a sense of accomplishment. But I also remember feeling tired, raw, and like I was working really hard generating that energy continuously. The time to perform the piece finally arrived and we did our presentations. And after the last one, there was a party at Tom's place and he showed us his photo album from shooting Amadeus, which was really cool. And and it was an actual photo album in those days. And then I went home to bed. When I woke up the next morning, The moment I stirred in bed, I was struck with a powerful, painful wave of muscular spasms in my back. It was like the violent snap of a whip. It was debilitating and also scary because I had never felt anything like that before. I could hardly move or breathe. It was so painful. Well, I had to get out of bed, which was particularly challenging because I slept in a loft back in those days. I had to climb down a ladder. I slowly and painfully inched my way to the floor and I crawled to the phone and called my mother. She comforted me from Florida, but of course there was nothing she could do. I was in New York. We had our evaluations that morning at school after the project. So the good student in me was like, I have to get to school. And I don't remember how I managed to drag myself the six blocks, but I do remember walking there and it was painful. And I remember that I was literally doubled over and in tears by the time I got to school. My Alexander Technique teacher, Carolyn, who was so good to me, took one look at me, grabbed my hand, and she said, you're coming with me. She laid me out on the table and uh, she took me into a, a healing room. And and she took me through a healing where, I'm not kidding you, it felt like demons were being exorcised from my body. All the while, she was admonishing me gently, saying, you need to learn to clear out energetically every day. You can't take on that kind of energy repeatedly and not expect to pay the price. I realized 
I had imagined myself into that state by vibrating rage and barely contained violence over and over for six weeks. I had broken myself by implanting images of Melanie and the life that I imagined for her, what she had been through within myself over and over so that I could embody her or give her a space in my body. I'd like to say that I learned from that experience and never allowed that to happen again, but (laughs) that wouldn't exactly be true. It took me a long time to realize what I was doing to myself in the process of taking on roles where there was a lot of darkness. And that was something that I was often attracting to myself back then because I had a great deal of unresolved grief, sadness, anger, and fear. The second time I played Lady Anne in Richard III was one of the darker periods of my life and my relationship. And I didn't understand until later, looking back, that for eight shows a week, I was actively placing a curse, a hex, on my husband, who was playing the title role, and myself. Because, of course, you can't speak or direct energy to another without also directing it to yourself. It rebounds. It comes back to you. And I realized that I was using my imagination for harm in that instance. And even though it was just a play, in quotes, the subconscious mind does not know the difference between the actual experience and the experience vividly imagined. Just for a moment, imagine a lemon. Hold the lemon in your hand. Can you feel it? You feel the weight of it. Now, bring it to your nose and smell the skin of the lemon. Can you smell the scent? Can you feel the weight of the lemon and the texture and the temperature of its skin? Okay, now put the lemon on a cutting board in front of you and get a nice sharp knife and cut the lemon in half. Now bring the open half of the lemon up to your mouth and stick out your tongue. Now put the open half of the lemon onto your tongue and squeeze out some of the juice right onto your tongue. (laughs) If you fully entered into that experience with your imagination, I'm betting that you experienced a reaction in your salivary glands, right? And yet there was no actual lemon. Your imagination of the lemon was enough to set off a cascade of physiological responses to the imaginary lemon. Your body responded to your imagination. The same is true of your subconscious mind's response to anything you vividly imagine, whether it is for good or for ill. It automatically and instantly goes to work on it, generating a reality around it that can be experienced through your nervous and your glandular systems, through your body. Actually, your body is an outpicturing of your subconscious mind and always tells the truth about the distortions you hold within it. The body never lies, just as your life conditions never lie about the deepest beliefs you hold. So if we're in the habit of imagining the worst and we draw to ourselves circumstances and situations which reflect our deepest fears, we have no one to blame but ourselves. And I suggest that you don't blame yourself, but that you instead claim yourself, claim yourself as the originator of your experience through the power of your mind. This is empowering. Realize that whatever you've created, if you don't like it, 
you can just as easily uncreate it. It starts in your imagination. Decide right now to turn things around and to use your imagination for your own highest good. Use this miraculous, magical, powerful force within you, this gift that you've been given by the divine to imagine a life that would feel really good to you. Because remember, you're going to generate a reality and create a life anyway through the creative power of your imagination. So pay attention to how you're using your imagination. Don't use your imagination to hurt yourself. Turn things around right now. Here's a process you can use to harness the power of your imagination and use it intelligently and constructively. Step one. Think of a situation in your life that you might consider a problem or a challenge or something that you'd like to change or improve. Notice what scenarios you've been creating in your mind around this situation and in what ways you've been limiting yourself. So for example, let's say you want to sell your house and there's a lot of bad news about the economy and the housing market. There may be a voice in your head or in your life that's telling you it'll be hard to sell your house because of the circumstances. Step two. Imagine the outcome you would love for this situation if you could create it any way you wanted. So in our example, you could imagine that you receive an offer that feels really good from people who love your house with terms that are favorable and agreeable to you. Don't pay any attention to voices that tell you that it's going to be hard or impossible in the current circumstances. Just imagine what outcome you would love to see in this situation. Write down the outcome you desire with all its details. Step three, vividly imagine a scene that represents the evidence that this outcome has come to pass in your life. For example, you could imagine getting a call from your real estate agent saying, good news, I have an offer for you and I think you're really going to love it. Then imagine all the details of the conversation, including where you are, maybe sitting in your favorite chair, looking out of the garden, hearing the sound of your real estate agent's voice on the phone and feeling the excitement and the gratitude that you have for such a quick and easy sale. Make sure you you get very clear on the details and experience them through your five senses as if you were remembering an actual event that has already happened. Only this time, you're remembering an event that hasn't happened yet. This is the proper use of memory, one of your other superpowers. More on that later. Step four, write an affirmation for yourself that this situation is resolved in divine order for the highest good of all concerned, and impress it upon your subconscious mind in the morning and at night as you drift off to sleep, vividly imagining the circumstances of the outcome you desire. Now make sure you don't allow any contradictory thoughts or imaginings to come in. If they do, say to yourself, that's just an old habit. And I now use my imagination for my highest good. And simply return to your positive imagining of the outcome you desire with all of its associated good feelings. Step five is to repeat this process in a relaxed and easy manner, feeling gratitude for the outcome you have designed with the thought this or something even better still until it actually comes to pass. By becoming intentional about the way you use your imagination, you can craft your life as you would love to live it. You have the potential to realize anything you can imagine. 
because the fact of imagining it means it's already within the field of your potential. Turn that possibility wave into a probability wave with the proper use of your imagination. Next week, we'll look at the second gift you've been given in order to realize your highest potential here on earth, your intuition. Thank you for joining me in the grace space where you're always in the right place. If you love this podcast, I invite you to subscribe to it and submit a review if you feel called to do so. Also, be sure to sign up for my newsletter right here. I look forward to spending this time with you again next week. Meanwhile, I send you love and blessings. Bye for now.